0: I'd like for you to turn with me, please, to a a very important place in God's Word. I've told you all along that uh, these uh, qualities of an elder and the qualities of a pastor, uh, we all should strive for, just as we should strive for the qualities of uh, uh, an apostle, uh, even though there is no more office of being an apostle, just as we should strive for uh, to become conformed into the image of Jesus Christ we should reach or attempt to reach for those heights. Well, as I said to you, we should do that. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you today by the Word of God that, that, that all of us have a part within the church. There is no free lunch, so to speak. We all are critical to the success of our church, each of us, to serve the Lord together. That comes under the title of deacons, both men and women. What we're going to note today in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13, is regardless of the position, whatever God calls us to serve, He will always first look at our hearts. His concern isn't about your talents or my talents or lack of of talent. His concern isn't about your ability or availability or lack thereof. Mainly what he is concerned about in your life as well as mine is our spiritual virtue, our character, our integrity. One of my favorite verses in Scripture, actually favorite place, is when Samuel was called by God. If you you want to, you can turn there. 1 Samuel chapter 16. You recall the story, I'm sure. God calls Samuel to find a successor for Saul. Let me turn there with you. I want you to see this place. It's just one of my favorite places. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king? Over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, for I have selected a king for myself among his sons. I want you to note something. Samuel, being a prophet of God, he still had fear. I mean, it's common to all of us to have fear when it comes to the very essence of faith in God. Samuel said in verse 2, how can I go? When Saul hears of this, he'll kill me. And The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Really, really, I mean really. Did Samuel have to worry? If God asks you or me to do something, do we really have to worry? Will he not supply whatever it is needed for us to fulfill, whatever... He has sent us to do. I say without question, yes to that. Well, what what makes this place so special to me is, if you'll note it, Samuel came in verse six. He entered and he saw one of his sons. He looked at Eliab, and he thought, surely the Lord, the Lord's anointed, is before him. And the verse that I wanted you and me to look at this morning is verse seven. The Lord said to Samuel in verse 7, Sammy? No, I don't, I don't know if he said Sammy. He says, do not look at his appearance, nor at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. Then these words, he says to Samuel, for God sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearances, but God what? God what? Pardon me? God looks at the heart. That is the essence in your life and my life. It's not how good are we at doing something. How, how wonderful are we at this or that? It, it matters not to our Lord. What matters to the Lord is not... What we are like outwardly, but really what is going on within us. God does not see man as we see man. Because we look at the outward appearance and God looks at our hearts. With that in mind, turn back with me please to First Timothy. And read with me from verses 8 through 13 of chapter 3. We're going to talk about deacons, men and women. Deacons and deaconesses, I guess you'd say. It says in verse 8, Deacons likewise. In other words, just as was mentioned amongst the elders and pastors, deacons likewise must be men of dignity, not double-tongued, nor addicted to much wine, nor fond of sordid gain, But holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let these also first be tested. Then let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. Women must likewise be dignified. Not malicious gossips, but temperate. Faithful in all things. Let deacons be husbands of only one wife and good managers of their children and of their own household. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. There is a promise to serve in the Lord well. There is a promise of high standing and great confidence within our faith. Father, before we tackle this place in Scripture, would you please open up our hearts and our minds and our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things from your law. We ask, Father, as a church, that you would teach us, that that you would take the one who now gives the message myself, Father, and that you would move me aside. Allow us, Father, to concentrate on your words, to concentrate on your heart. Let us, Father, see the things that you wish from us For you do not see as we see. We look at the outward appearances. Father, you look at our hearts. And so your concern is not about our talents or our abilities or even our availabilities. You are mainly concerned with our virtue, our character, the integrity of who we are as we walk with you. And so, Father, as we study these qualifications of a deacon, both men and women, May we see our place in all of this, each of us. Father, for those who are not here this morning, are on some vacation or just taking some time off, bless them. But somewhere in their heart of hearts, have them miss, miss the fact that they didn't come to church. I pray, Father, that you would make us all mindful of our first our first love. That is our love of Jesus Christ. And may our first love for Him grow hot. Hot and even more hotter as the days go. And now bless us, Father, please. In Jesus' most precious name. Amen. We're going to look at the qualifications of a deacon. We just read from verses 8 through 13, both men and women. And you should note that there is absolutely no difference in the spiritual character nor the spiritual maturity from a pastor elder to a deacon, men and women. I made note to you last week or the week before, the only difference between a pastor and an elder is the ability to teach. That's in chapter 3, verse 2. A pastor elder is called to teach. A deacon, not necessarily Now, the different Greek words for deacon is very interesting. There are three different Greek words. There is, I can't say them correctly, I don't think. D-I-A-G-O-N-A-L-S, D-I-A-K-O-N-I-A, and again another word similar to that. They are translated differently to show the different way the gift is used from one person to the next. In other words, we're not all cookie cutters. We are different in our abilities and we are different in our our serving the Lord. For instance, the word deacon can be translated administrator. It could be translated minister, servant, one who serves, one who gives of service, one who prepares, relief and support, amongst other words, Let me give you an example. You'll you'll remember this well. In John chapter 2 and verse 5, Jesus and his mother was at a wedding, a wedding feast. And you remember what happened at the wedding, do you not? They ran out of what? Wine. So his mother said, they've run out of wine. What are you going to do? He says, my hour has not yet come. She calls, like any mother... She doesn't listen to everything he says. She calls the waiter over to her and she says, do as my son tells you to do. So he told him to take a a big jar, fill it with water, and turn that water into wine. Why that story? Well, the word used of a waiter, serving at the wedding, is the same word we get for deacon, deacon one who serves. And so what sets you and me apart as Christians, I want you and me to look at John chapter 12. Would you please turn with me there? John is to the left, of course. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. And look at chapter 12. Jesus equates in John chapter 12 and verse 26. He equates following and serving him with being called of all things a deacon Jesus says in John 12:26 if anyone serves me he must follow me where I am Jesus says there my servants will be also if anyone serves me Jesus says the father will honor that person The general sense of the term serve and servant in verse 26 of John chapter 12 is a call for all Christians to be deacons. In one way or another, you and I are called to serve and to follow our Lord. We are called to be deacons, all of us. On your way back to Timothy, stop at... 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, please. This is what Paul's point was when he wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's start with verse 4. It says, Paul writes, Now there are a variety of gifts, but there is the same Spirit. He writes in verse 5, And there are a variety of ministries. The word ministries there is translated deacons and the same Lord. Verse 6, there are a variety of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. Verse 7, but to each one of us, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for what reason? For the common Good. Every Christian is to be involved in some form or another of spiritual service being a deacon within the family of God for a variety of gifts, for a variety of ministries, for a variety of effects all given to you and me as we serve the Lord here as a body of believers for the common good. Do you realize that you are a deacon in the making? That you and I are to serve the Lord in one fashion or another. Last night was really a great example. There's a couple that sits here right every Saturday. Faithful, faithful, faithful. They sit here and and they take notes. And I watch them. I watch them as we study through the Word of God. And and they happen to... uh, to park cars. Well, yesterday, if you remember, it was about 100 degrees. It was At least that's what it said on my car's thermometer or whatever that is. It was hot. And when they came in, I gave them a hug. And, and they said the same thing that I say after I preach. Oh, don't hug me. I'm all sweaty. <laughs> I said, I relate. I get it. I get it. I, I, it's uncomfortable to, to, to be hugged when you're sweating. I get it. After the message was over, they, I said to them, thank you for... Um, for what you do. Thank you for being servants here at this place. And they said, well, we do so little. And I had to remind them the same thing I remind myself and the same thing I remind all of us. If God's called us to do something, it is not a little service. It is not something that is unimportant. It is not something that we can measure. Like my part here at the church is only this big, but that guy's part is this big. No, no. When he gets up to God, it's all the same size. Because he's called you and me to do what we do. And when he calls us to do it, he'll complete it in us. And he'll do the work within us. And it's not that one is more important than the other. Because God has given it to us. Therefore, it must be important. And so you're a part. And, and please don't don't say, well, I'm just, it's just such a small part. It's not. It's what God has given you to do. Do it joyfully for the common good of the body of Christ. It's like when Amy asked us to, to come and, and and you said was it on Wednesday, Wednesdays, Amy, that to come and and you need child care help. And and for the mothers to really come. It would really be helpful if we had people to volunteer. There's some of you that just love caring for kids. You need to come and help for the common good. When Alma asks us to, to be involved with all that she does, it's, it's for the common good. We are all a part. You need to realize that as we go through this study because now, Paul is going to list the qualifications that a deacon must be measured by. As with an elder or a pastor, these qualifications relate to our spiritual character, not exactly what we do. Why? Why not? Because what we do is relevant to the Lord. It's all important. What he cares about is not what we look like on the outward side, but who we are inside. God does not look as man does. Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at our hearts. And so, like the elders or pastors, there is no specifics given as to the duties of, an el- of a deacon. In reality, a deacon was simply to carry out whatever tasks were given to them as was needed within the body of Christ for the common good. So let's take a look at these qualities. First one, verse 8, dignity. That could also be translated serious or dignified. Dignity carries the idea of being serious of mind. It carries the idea of being upright in character. It is everything about who we are inside, not what we do. Also, now it's going to mention three things in verse 8 that, have, that come with a negative. Not to be double-tongued, not to be addicted to much wine, and not to be fond of sordid gain. Let's talk about double to first. That word is in the Greek D-I-L-O-G-O-S. It's, it's not gossip. This would be rather a person who would say one thing to one person and another thing to someone else. You see, a deacon's speech or our speech must not be hypocritical. It, it, it must be characterized by integrity, consistency, honesty, truth. It can be dangerous when when a person tries to please everybody and, and doesn't have the courage to stand on their own two feet and tell people the hard truth. You want to know something? I struggle with double tongue. It's a wrestling match for me because I want to be liked by everybody. And I end up telling people oftentimes what I think they want to hear rather than what they should hear. That has gotten me over the time, into some problems. There is something about telling the people the same thing, being consistent, and oftentimes when need be to tell someone the hard truth. That I have been able to do. And it has gotten me in trouble because all along I'm telling you, you're so good, you're so good, you're so good, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're really bad. That's, that's not great. That's not great. But the truth of the matter is, I fear God far more than I fear mankind. I'm working on that one. I'm working on the one of quit trying to be liked by everybody. Just be who you are. The other one is not being addicted to too much wine. You'll notice it says too much wine. In the commentaries I read, they wondered, why did God not say no wine at all? Well, in those days, wine was given. In fact, Paul told, uh, it was it Timothy, to have some wine. It's good for your tummy. It's good for what ails you. But I have some the commentators write, no, you should not have anything to drink because you never know if... You might be addicted to something. I understand that. I, I agree to that. The word addicted is P-R-O-S-E-C-H-O. It means to turn one's mind to or to occupy some yourself with one thought. It just comes over and over. The present active participle of this word indicates that a deacon's Habitual practice is that he or she should not be preoccupied with drink. Nor allow it to influence their life or their habits. I understand that word addicted. I get it. I have never been, nor do I like drinking. So I've never been addicted to any kind of alcohol. I've never been addicted to any kind of drugs. But by golly, I'm addicted to football. I realize that. I I, I understand it. I'm like a kid. I can't wait for next Sunday. This Sunday's not a good Sunday. There's no football. I'm addicted to it. But I look forward to it. In fact, I will program my my television TiVo thing to broadcast every football game you can find. I'm addicted to that. I've got to get away from that a little bit in time, I think I will. (laughs) Maybe maybe not just yet. (laughs) Last night I said, Lord, just take away my TV. And I said, no, no, I didn't didn't mean that. (laughs) Wouldn't that be funny if it broke today or something? That would be a a sign, I would guess, would it not? It also says in verse 8 that, that we, deacons, but all of us, ought not to be fond of sordid gain. For a deacon, they must not use their position as a means to make money. You see, one of the problems then was deacons would routinely handle the money within the church. They would distribute the money to widows and, and to orphans and to those in need. And the temptation would always be there to steal from those funds, just as Judas did. Do you want to see or, or listen about this? You can either turn to John chapter 12, verses 4, 5, and 6, and see what D- Judas said to the disciples uh, who were following Jesus at the time. And I'll read it to you, but I want to make statement that 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 there was a person that, that in the other church that we had that, that was that we found out was stealing from the, the offering one of the ushers was taking. One of my dear friends in the ministry also had in charge of all of his finances one of his best friends from youth. And this person was really stealing because when they found out he was and they caught him and they, and, and they removed him from the position, the offering the next week doubled Doubled, that's how much this guy was taking from the church. Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, original 12 disciples. It says in verse 4 of John chapter 12, he was intending to betray Jesus Christ. And so he asked them, why was the perfume that was used on Jesus' feet not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor people It says in verse 6 that Judas said this not because he was concerned about the poor people, but because he was a thief, it says. He had the money box, it says, and he used to pilfer what was put into it. Therefore, it is essential that deacons and all of us be free from any love of money. We are going to cover this extensively when we get to chapter 6. We'll teach you what it means to deal with money. And, and for those of you that are in the crown ministry uh, uh, thing, you're going to find out how, how, it, how the Lord wants us to handle our money. We will study what it means to really understand and love the money that God has given us. There's nothing wrong with, with those of you who make much money. God bless you and continue to make much money. But we will teach you how to respect it rather than how to use it. Chapter 6 will teach us this. It says in verse 9, they were also to hold to the mysteries of the faith. Now, the mysteries of the faith was a New Testament revelation. It was new from the Old Testament. It was not revealed in the Old Testament what what they learned in the church age. when, When the church age began, when... When when Peter preached at at Pentecost in Jerusalem and, and thousands of people came to trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and the church began, they began to learn of the incarnation, the birth of Jesus Christ in 1 Timothy chapter 3 as mentioned up on the board, I believe. Yes. They also were to learn of the indwelling of Jesus Christ in the believers that the Holy Spirit would live within us as it is mentioned in Colossians chapter 1. They also learned within the body of Christ that there was unity between Jew and and Gentile. We were all a family. All of us were the same. They learned that in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. And and then they learned the, the wonderful truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the saving grace that we have in Colossians chapter 4. And then ultimately they learned in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 of the rapture of the church where we would all go to be with our Lord in heaven. We would be raptured. All of us are to hold tightly to these foundational truths. All along in verse 9 it says that we are to have a clear conscience. That is a conscience that does not accuse us but rather drives us You see, the Holy Spirit does a wonderful job in your life. If you've just become a believer, you don't have to worry about dredging up old sins. The Holy Spirit of God will will reveal to you sin that needs to be confessed and repented of in His wonderful time for you. And so in the meantime, if all the sin that has been revealed to you has been confessed and repented of, you can have a clear conscience before God. You see, it wasn't, it wasn't enough merely to believe these wonderful truths, these wonderful mysteries of the faith. But it was also God's desire that as deacons, or those of us who serve and live for the Lord, we are to live out these experiences as well. Therefore, confession of sin is critical. That's why you, I, I say to you all, all almost... Almost all the time, 1 John 1 9 is, is critical in your life and my life. If if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the Christian's bar of soap, if you would, our cleansing our ability to have a clear conscience. And so it's not, it's not good for you to be convicted of a sin or, or know that you did something wrong and say, well, I'll deal with that later tonight. No, it, 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 the moment you are convicted of a sin, you ought to stop whatever it is that you're doing and ask the Lord God to forgive you of that and to repent from it as soon as it is revealed to you so that you might have a clear conscience before God. Now, talking about a deacon or someone who is going to serve the Lord, it says in verse 10, Let them first be tested. That word in the Greek is D-O-K-I-M-A-Z-O. It means to approve after testing. It is in the present verb tense. It indicates that this is an ongoing test. In other words, deacons, all of us, are to be continually testing ourselves so that we can remain above or beyond reproach. I thought about this last night as I was driving home. I don't know why, but this particular verse just spoke to me. This let them first be tested. That it is in the present tense indicates that it is, as I said, an ongoing test. And while I was driving home, I was reminded of a a verse in 2 Corinthians. I went home and looked it up. It says in 2 Corinthians 13.5. This is not up on the board because I just thought about it. It says, test yourselves to see if you are of the faith. Examine yourself. Or do you not recognize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail the test. We have been called to test ourselves, examine ourselves to see if there be any sin in our hearts. Now in verse 11 Paul is going to speak to the women who are deacons and he uses the same word in verse 11, dignified, that he used in verse 8 to describe a male deacon. Therefore all Female deacons, as well as male deacons, must live a serious, dignified life. Verse 11, they are not to be malicious gossips. That word translates D-I-A-B-O-L-O-S, means to slander another person. In other words, they too are to control their, their speech. They too, in verse 11, a woman is to be temperate, not to be drinkers, but to be sober in their judgment, as well as in all aspects of their life, just as the men are. And in verse 11, a woman is to be faithful as well in all things. She must be absolutely trustworthy, above reproach, just as the men are. Faithful and trustworthy is a, a key word for me. Whenever I hear these words, faithful and trustworthy, I think of a study... A, I did in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. It says, let, a, let people regard us in this fashion. Let them regard us as servants of Jesus Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Servants mean like deacons. In this case, it says in verse 2 of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, it is required, it is required of a steward, a deacon, a Servant of God, that we be found trustworthy. That's part of your life and my life. Then in verse 12, male deacons like male elders and pastors are to be beyond reproach. They are to be husbands of of only one wife. Manage their own children and their households well. We went over this when we talked about elders. In living this type of lifestyle... We are told in verse 13 that we have two rewards that await us. Await those men and women who have served our Lord well in what is called deacons. Verse 13, For those who have served well as deacons, they obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in their faith that is, in Christ Jesus. First, they obtain for themselves high standing. The Greek word is bathmos, B-A-T-H-M-O-S. It literally refers to an elevated stand. In other words, those who faithfully serve, those who serve well, will be elevated, exalted. There is only one who will exalt us only one who really exalts us that means anything to you and to me. I mean, it, it's one thing to be exalted by a, a group of people, and that's, that's fine, but it's a whole other thing to be exalted by our Lord. I have a verse that I've, a couple of them that I've asked you to memorize a long time ago. It, it's in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. It says, Humble, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you when at the proper time cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God he will give you a high standing at the proper time the second thing that is promised if we serve well as deacons as we will have great confidence in our faith that is in Christ Jesus the word for great confidence is p a r r e s i a it is often used of those who speak boldly i was reminded of speaking boldly of peter and john in acts chapter 4 it says The people observed Peter and John and they observed their confidence. They understood that they were uneducated. They understood that they were untrained. Yet they were amazed. And they began to recognize Peter and John as having been with Jesus. Confidence. In our faith, spending time with Jesus. There's nothing, folks, that will really bless you more than serving. Those two dear people that told me last night said it doesn't matter that it's hot. As a matter of fact, they said they, they enjoy it when the weather is, in, is rainy or it's not really the best of weather. It, it kind of encourages them, they said, in the Lord. Go figure. I don't know. But they said every time they do this, they feel blessed. They understood when I said, you have great confidence in your faith. They felt blessed from serving the Lord. And what they thought was just a little, little part of the ministry here, which in fact was not just a little part It was as important as any other part. I'm going to close with this. I wonder, as a church, I wonder how much we desire to grow. I mean, really, really think about it. Passionately think about growth with many souls coming to Jesus Christ. That's the only reason for growth, to see people come to Christ. Well let me say to you this, successful service will breed both confidence and assurance amongst the believers in Christ. It'll bring confidence and assurance to those of us who serve and it will bring confidence and assurance upon those who are served. They'll see there is a difference in your and my life and soon they will want to emulate us. Soon they will want to get in to the whole idea of serving here at the church. You see, those who serve our Lord well, those who serve Him faithfully will see His power. They will see His miraculous powers. They will see His grace working within their lives, just as these two dear people saw and explained to me last night. And then you and I will be encouraged for even greater service. You see, success breeds success. Confidence breeds confidence. I thought about you, Jimmy. I bet there was times where that ball looked like it was this big, that you could hit it there or there. And I bet there were times where that ball looked like an aspirin, (laughs) For, for us more like an aspirin tablet. And it would be everything that we had just to hit that thing. But when confidence comes and takes over us, it breeds confidence. Within the family of God, you and I who serve our Lord and serve Him faithfully, we will breed confidence within the family of God. We will bring confidence to those who observe us. And sooner or later, they too will want to emulate you. They will want to do what you are doing. In essence, they will want to become deacons within this church. Father, I pray that each of us understand the overwhelming importance that is placed upon our life. Most of us, Father, like the people last night will say, I do so little. It's just a little that I do. I mean, I just showed up and took care of some kids. And I believe Amy would be quick to tell you, yes, but that you allowed a mother to go and, and to study and to grow in her faith and, and become more the wife that she ought to be, more the mother. It's not a little thing. Let us be a people in this church that serve you well. Let us be a people, Father, that sense your presence within our lives. And we will all be deacons who serve you well and receive high standing, Father, exalted by you. And in our own lives, confidence, confidence within our faith that will allow us to do far greater things in the future. Bless us, dear Father, I pray. Bless the Rock Community Church, I pray, Father. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I love you all. Happy Labor's day, Labor Day and enjoy tomorrow. I guess you get it off. And I'll uh, see you next week. Love you. Have a great day.